Thank you for tuning in. Welcome back. Let's jump right into option number one, Twitter takeover. Now, I didn't really know how to word this. So, yeah, when I said that, maybe I didn't mean that. Kind of like Russia saying, don't call it an invasion. It's a special operation. I don't really care. When I say Twitter takeover, everyone knows what I mean. I'm definitely for it. This morning when I woke up, I had to develop something in my brain, what I was going to talk about today, and the first thing I thought of was Elon's TED meeting where he talked about questions being more important than answers, finding the questions that matter. So I'm going to go ahead and jump into the Twitter takeover, what questions matter. So the first question, what are the problems? Now, instead of answering this question with answers, I'm going to answer it with questions, okay? So, the first question I can think of, what are the problems? Let's see. Why are people more likely to harass, share unwanted content, spam for attention, and ridicule online than they would be in our space-time world out here? Let me repeat the question. Why are people more likely to, let's just rephrase it, to do something malicious online rather than in real life, harass, and so forth? So to give you an example, I would never walk up to a random stranger painting their house and say, excuse me, your house looks terrible. You're doing a terrible job. You're just worthless, aren't you? Right? However, I see messages far worse than that online. So why... Are people more likely to do that online than they are in real life? And people make fun of people that harass people and say, oh, you're hiding behind the internet or hiding behind your keyboard or things like that. So I'm not the only person wondering, why are more people likely to do something malicious online than they are in real life? That's the first question. Second question, who should be allowed to determine what should be censored? Now, I'm sure there's 40 or more groups of people, but the two distinct categories I'm seeing are one saying, yeah, the censor system they got is totally biased. We don't like it. And another group saying, we love it. Please don't change it at all. Like, please don't take away from it or add from it. It's working really well. And, you know, I've heard the arguments from both sides. Both sides have bad points and good points. I understand. I'm starting to get it. I didn't get it before. I... I had to discuss with like 50 to 60 people and I found one person willing to discuss it and not just repeat themselves like a broken record. I'll get into that in a moment. Third question to the question, what are the problems? How can a free speech system support itself financially? So those three questions we'll come back to, but let's move forward with a second category of questions. Are there solutions that won't break the problems 
So again, are there solutions that won't break the problems? Meaning there are there are bots, right? So Google came up with this brilliant idea. You know, bots can't recognize images. They can't even know where a person's face is with face detection in a picture. So what we're going to do is we're create this new technology called CAPTCHA. I don't know how to pronounce that, but let's just say that's how it's pronounced. And what it's going to do is filter out who's a bot or not. Now, let me tell you, it does not work. Bots can easily recognize images. It takes a couple of minutes to train a machine learning model for this. Neural net, whatever, I don't know the, t the words. I've done it myself. It gets through the CAPTCHAs really easily. I've seen, yeah, let's just pause there. So the question, are there solutions that won't break the problems? It's saying you create a solution, right? Recaptcha. But that solution broke the problem because the problem was bots were getting in. So they thought the solution would fix it, but it didn't. It just broke it further. It made it so the bot developers just adjusted. For all of eternity from the beginning of time, bot makers, if they want to pose as humans, let me rephrase that. If there is value to create bots that pose as humans, they will adjust accordingly to any action done to prevent them from acting like humans. Computers are better than humans at everything on a computer. So trying to build a gate in the computer that bots can't get through is pointless. Now let me just move forward before I keep talking about that speech. Digging into the first question of the first question. I know the format of this is pretty bad, just bear with me. In physical space-time, do people go knock on random doors and ridicule people inside their houses? Why not? Now, when I answer these questions, it makes sense to me. However, the questions are more important than the answers, but let's just dive a little bit. Well, maybe not dive is a too big a word. Dip our toes in here. So the, when you knock on somebody's, some random person's door, your life is at risk uh, from a small degree to a large degree. It could just be a person that's going to sit there talking to you for four hours because they're one of those types of people that love talking and never let you go. That's taking part of your life. It's killing you a little bit. If they sit there for 10 minutes and don't let you go, if you're polite and so forth, you just lost part of your life. It's the same as losing all of your life, but just at a smaller scale. All the way up to they might be a racist or something and open the door and just shoot you down and say there was a no trespassing sign. Who knows, right? So your life is at risk. Second of all, it costs us time and effort to go and knock on somebody's door, but there's no return in value. I mean, in some situations, there may be, like if you're in a neighborhood and somebody's painting camouflage in their house and you're like, you're making our neighborhood look bad. There may be some value in that. However, I'm talking generally... You go 5,000 miles away from your own home and you knock on some random person's door and you say your house looks ugly. Nobody's going to waste their time and effort doing that. Online, it costs almost nothing. Almost no, no risk. Almost no effort. Just a few seconds to really harass someone or make fun of them or scam them. And there's a lot of potential value from doing that from the malicious entity. Second question. 
I know I'm doing questions on questions on questions just to follow along. Hopefully you can keep track of them. I can't. How is content censored in our real space time out here? Now again, this is my own personal answer, but I think it covers, obviously because I'm the one answering it, the bases here. Parents handle humans' censorship until the child grows up. And then the child handles it. So why can't we develop mechanisms in technology where people are allowed to choose and maintain who polices their content. Yeah, maybe they can't police all their own content. Um, let's, let's shift to the real time, real space time here. If somebody's living in the neighborhood of racists, and they're like, you know what? I'm tired of these racist people. They just move away, right? If, if people don't like policies like let's say they're like you know what school starts so early in the morning it's so dark my child might get hit crossing the road going to school let's add a daylight savings in they go to their city the people make the changes for themselves they request the changes they police themselves and they try and categorize with other people i mean i've seen this in prison systems too people group together and police themselves why can't we do that online? Why are we dependent on software developers or people who maintain IT systems to censor our work? That makes no sense. How is there, how is there a connection there? How is somebody... It's kind of like, I saw this actor who tells me to do this thing. They told me to buy this NFT. They told me to make this political decision. Actors are paid... Why would you why would you do what they're telling you? That's the exact person you don't want to listen to. Whoever's the richest can tell them. All right, let's move forward. This question is important because the question how can a free speech system support itself financially? There's a question that comes up from that. And the question is this. Is it possible to eliminate zero and low value interactions with a system? So for example, let's take Twitter. You have Twitter. The cost of Twitter, the operational cost, maintenance and so forth, includes both valuable interactions and valueless interactions. So if you can eliminate Let's just assume the valueless interactions, the cost of the system goes down. Now, what percent? I don't know. However, from my own personal experience, I'd say the cost would go down 90% or more. That's just a theory. It could be 50%. It could be 1%. But it's going to make the system more affordable because there are valueless interactions. So is it possible to eliminate zero and low value interactions. Now again, this is a very narrow view on things, but if there were a mechanism to provide risk of adding new content, would that increase the value of content? So for example, in real life, 
it's not free and risk-free to go knock on people's doors and harass and make fun of them. Yes, people play pranks on each other. If there were some risk applied, as there is in real life, would that help to increase the overall value of the interactions because the zero and low value interactions are now being eliminated? Another question to this question of, is it possible to eliminate zero and low value interactions? What mechanism will ensure new users are able to contribute positively, all right? So backing up to the previous question, if there were a mechanism to provide risk, if the risk is too high, it's gonna prevent people from interacting because there's gonna be a new account or some other type of situation that bars somebody from interacting. So the risk has to be configured correctly. All right, let's move to the next question. Can we use other free speech platforms as a model of what new problems will arise? If those platforms are considered unwanted, why are they operating still? I went ahead, looked through lots of different solutions that people have been giving on the topic of misinformation, the takeover, censorship, and so forth. And from the angle that free speech should be barred from the system, there was a few good points on there. There were. They were saying there's other free speech platforms that run that we don't want to see content like those platforms here. They have a good point. But that brings us back to the other question. Who should be allowed to determine what it should be censored? Also, the other question, how is content censored in our real space time? Everything that's being discussed here is centralizing on a few answers. Oh, the, that's the bird. There's been a bird pecking on my window. I was like, what's that noise? All right. All right, so the first answer to all those questions and discussions, there are only three, all right? The first answer is an open source, I stole this idea from someone else, an open source police system is created that polices content. People can choose to subscribe to one or more of these police forces. Twitter has a budget portion to all police forces. They split it to the most used forces by the system users. In addition, to utilize a police force as a user, the user will have to pay a small reoccurring fee. Now this is intended both to make sure that all police forces get some reimbursement for doing their work, and secondly, to prevent a police force from stacking, say, bots on their own police force to take more of the budget when they're actually not providing any value. So if they're willing to pay themselves, they'll also get paid from the Twitter police fund budget. 
The police force will ensure everyone is not being misinformed and that unwanted content is filtered. So those are the two jobs that they can do. They can do fact checks as well as censorship, meaning blurring it out or hiding from fee. The police force may operate bots as needed to provide content scanning mechanisms before their content is displayed to users. All right, there's a lot there. I can't talk about everything I'd like to because there's not enough time. But there's a few things. So first of all, the current Twitter police system can be replicated and implemented as a new police force in the new Twitter system. That way people who like it how it is can continue to use Twitter exactly how it is. Obviously there's some costs and stuff. I'm not going to get into that. On the other hand, people who think the system is biased and wrong and things of that nature, they can either start their own police force or sign up for an existing one that is more aligned with their beliefs. Number two answer, each account must pay a recurring fee in order to navigate on the site. This is just a flat fee that brings value to the account. So instead of somebody creating 50 accounts and spamming by a scam coin, that's going to cost them more money than just paying for one account and spamming it. And it's much easier to flag one account as a scam than 50. There are other benefits, I'm not going to get too much into it. Number three answer is, every time content is created on the site, it will cost a fee. That fee is the risk needed to drive value of interactions. It's a really complicated topic. A lot of people say, hey, it's not free speech if you have to pay. But there's ways to still operate on the system for free, all right? These mechanisms are in place to prevent malicious activity and to reward behaving activity. So let's give a few examples because it's a pretty big blanket statement to just say, whenever you tweet, you have to pay now. Whenever you want to navigate on the site, you have to pay. So there's a couple of things. So first of all, if users would like to subscribe to ads, that can give them a chunk of money every month. And that can give them what they need to continue to operate just like they did before with no difference. Everything's exactly the same except that they can't tweet millions and millions of tweets anymore. They might be limited to 100 a day or something along those lines. Uh, in addition, all tweets are, comp are silenced now. Whenever someone sends a tweet, it will be silenced. So similar to how a, on the bottom of a tweet feed, it will say, show other low-value tweets. That's gone. Everything everyone says will be in a list called silenced tweets responses, tweets on your feed, everything will be in a silence list. And those tweets cost nothing. In order for a tweet to show up in a follower's feed, which there's going to be a new type of follower, get into that in a second, or in order for a response to show up underneath a tweet or another response, 
there's going to be a larger fee. So the fee is based on who's going to see the tweet. So say I'm running an account and I have two followers. Let's say it costs one penny or $0.01 to send a tweet. It's going to be really easy for me to turn on a follower flag on my tweets because it's only cost me two cents every time I send a tweet. And I have, I have ads on, let's say I get $100 a month and I'm tweeting out things to my two followers. Now say I begin to gain more followers because people think my interactions are valuable. So now I'm going to have an excess amount of money. No matter how many tweets I send out, I'll have an excess amount of money. So I'll, what I'll do is I'll start to look for other interesting accounts to subscribe to. So when you subscribe to an account, it pays them a fee every month. And what that does is it creates another category of followers. What this does is allows accounts to keep their balance close to zero instead of falling too low. So say somebody like me has a hundred followers and only five of them are interested in what I say. The rest of the 95 just follow me because sometimes they're interested in what I say. Those five can go to a subscription level. That way when I tweet, I'll put it to my subscribers and know that's my target audience. Those are the ones that are interested, so they're the only ones I'm going to pay for. For the 95 people that are only normal followers, it'll be in their silence list on their feed. So if they are interested, they can still click on the silence list and see it. What this is going to do is make it so people are either inactive or sending valuable content onto the system. Now there's a lot of different gates and bottlenecks that are going to be created. A lot of people may say, well, people who have no money can't interact in the system. That's not true. Again, you can subscribe to the ads exactly how the platform exists right now. You have ads on the sides, promoted tweets, all that. Doing so will pay the account some money that can use to send tweets, subscribe, and so forth as needed. It will be limited, obviously. On top of that, though, a person can pay the normal fee using a credit card or Dogecoin or whatever, and then they can use that balance to grow their account and build value. Now, there's something else that I'd like to add. It's related to the police force. People have a lot of different dimensions. And in those dimensions, they have different values. I'm stealing this from somebody else. I'm not going to reference them because it was a long time ago I watched their video. But what I was saying is that everyone has different values and different dimensions. So some people care about the environment and are very cautious about how much CO2 they release in the air, while others intentionally release CO2 in the air to make fun of those other people. Some people hunt just for purely for fun, right? Just kill animals for fun. And other people 
volunteer their time at shelters to help take care of animals. I can go on and on and on. There's like pro-life, pro-gun, you know, all these different groups and categories. And I think it's really important that any type of town hall system tries to take that into account and allow constructive discussion about such topics because there's no one right answer when you have one person who literally kills animals for fun arguing with another person who would never even step on an ant. There's no right answer there. Each person is right in their own eyes. But the discussion could be valuable about, about it. Let me clarify. If there's a blind person trying to understand colors from a non-blind person, the non-blind person will never be able to explain colors to them the same way that they can see it. Never. They can sit there for billions and trillions of years and verbally never be able to explain colors. It's just never going to happen. It's a waste of time. However, some constructive discussion can be documented and built upon for other blind people that come across the same content. That way they can understand there's another dimension here that we can't see. We can't understand because we can't see. But it's going to kind of paint an idea of there's this magic thing called sight. And uh, if your color, excuse me, if your clothes is the wrong color, which they don't even know what color is, they might be able to see through it. Like, let's say you're wearing a clear shirt. Yeah, I'm probably not talking completely correctly. But if you wear a clear shirt, people can see right through it, right? And to a blind person, and I don't know any blind people, but to them, that must be just mind-boggling. Like, they can feel a barrier. Like, even a wall. Like, they go up to a wall and go, there's a wall there. But there's a piece of glass, and you're like, I can still see you. And they're like, no, you can't. There's a wall there. You can't see me. And they're like, no, I can see through. This is glass. It's clear. Like, and I know I'm not trying to make fun of blind people. I'm trying to use an analogy for non-blind people like me. So it kind of makes sense. So creating valuable discussions, I think, is the most important thing. It should prevent violence and things of that nature. There are lots of arguments for, like, pro-gun, anti-gun, pro-life, pro-choice, so forth. But there's no real central repository where people on either side can understand, well, let me rephrase that, can go read what the other side is saying and say, okay, I don't understand that, but I can accept it. I don't understand there's colors, I can accept it. A deaf person, right? I don't understand there's sound, but I can accept it. I mean, I can, if I were deaf and blind and somebody tried to communicate to me, there's a magical thing we can use to communicate with each other called sound and light. We can even look at a phone and we can know something instantly. Like, I, uh, I can get answers to a test just by looking at my phone. I can just Google it and boom, I know all the answers. They're going to feel the phone and be like, what, what is it? How? 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 How do you do that? It's like magic. It's how we're designed. We're all designed differently. And it's important, to, in my opinion, to try and not isolate groups as Twitter's tried to do and cause more division, more misunderstanding, but to try and bring what's valuable up to the surface to each side of every argument so that each person can accept the other side and we can work together in common cause. All right, I'm done with my speech. Sorry for talking so long about that. 
All right, so again, let's just go over the questions again. What are the problems? Instead of answering that, I have questions. Why are people more likely to harass, share unwanted content, spam for attention, and ridicule online compared in real life? Who should be allowed to determine what should be censored? How can a free speech system support itself financially? That's something I didn't cover. So all these fees, people paying per month and all this, there's going to be mechanisms where percentages of those monies go back to Twitter, into their budget. And some of it goes to policing, some of it goes to operations and so forth. Even the advertisements, when people say, okay, I'll turn on ads so that way I get money, and they're paying other people, and the money's flowing through Twitter. All right, I don't want to get too much in that because I don't have a lot of experience. Are there solutions that won't break the problems? I believe that any solution is going to come up with new problems. Even some solutions I discussed here likely going to cause more problems than there were before. However, progress is what's important. What are not problems that will be apparent after implementing solutions? In physical space-time, do people go knock on random doors and ridicule people inside? Why not? How is content censored in real space-time? Is it possible to eliminate zero and low-value interactions? Can we use other free speech platforms as a model of what new problems will arise? If those platforms are considered unwanted, why are they operating still? Again, the three solutions are 1. Implement a new policing mechanism that's open source and available for anyone to create and join and subscribe to. Number two, each account should have to pay regular reoccurring fees to navigate the site. Number three, each time content is created, it should cost a fee if it's going to reach people. That's the risk that's needed to keep value on the system. And then another overarching concept is to somehow use the police mechanisms to try and centralize valuable discussions from each end of different angles that people exist at. Alright, so that's action number one. Let's move on to action number two. Do only good every day. Everybody's come across a meme, an image, a phrase that's touched them in some way as humorous and made their day. So today's do only good every day. Recommendation is go find a topic you're enthusiastic about. Hopefully it's not controversial because that's just stirring things up. Go and find a topic you're interested in that's not controversial. Think of what meme would be funny to use for it. Draw it up and publish it, see how it goes. Put some goodness out there for other people to laugh about. There's tons of meme generators online. Lot You don't have to be a photographer or a Photoshop expert or anything like that to put a good meme out there. All right, today's episode's gonna be ending now. I have some other topics to talk about, but unfortunately I don't have the time to record for it, so I'm gonna have to cut today. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next week for broadcast number nine. Cheers.